This is ComScope Crosstalk. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Mike Reardon. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Look, we have seen more changes in the past three years than we likely experienced in the prior 10 years, and it's tough keeping up. Today, we're facing three macro trends that are promising to bring even more changes, and if we don't prepare now, we could end up getting left behind. Sound discouraging? Scary? Cynical? Not at all. Wherever there is change, there's opportunity. Today, we're talking about these trends and how to navigate them with confidence. Returning to the podcast is Rona Davis, solution strategy for building and campuses at Comscope. Welcome back to the podcast, Rona. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it's great to have you back. Now, you're always discovering, observing, and studying trends in our industry, or in the world for that matter. Last time we talked, we discussed the importance of sustainability as a trend needing our urgent attention, but you've actually determined there are three macro trends in front of us right now. Can you summarize what those three trends are? Absolutely, Mike. We, we've actually been looking at these three macro trends for the past few years and tracking them. The first one is densification of our urban areas. There's expected to be an additional 2 billion people, with a B, 2 billion people in our metropolitan areas globally by the year 2050. That's clearly going to have an impact on our built spaces and on our networks. The second trend that we have been watching is labor demands and what's happening in labor markets. There is uh, expected to be significant shortages in skilled labor uh, to be able to get all of the work done that's in front of us. And then that final trend that we've been watching is sustainability. And, uh, and when, when we talk about sustainability, we're talking about you know, responding to the climate crisis, uh, natural resource conservation, and diversity and inclusion efforts. Got it, got it. Okay, so densification, uh, labor and deployment speeds, and sustainability. Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk about these one at a time because I imagine there's, there's a lot of depth to each of these. So densification, tell me what that means exactly because if I guess, I'm afraid I might get it wrong. It's really a multifaceted issue, densification. So we could start by talking about the densification of our urban areas. So people are moving to cities at really an unprecedented rate. That means that you're going to need more built space, right? More automation to manage the people and the resources. Uh, It means that we're going to be space constrained in our cities even more than we are today. We're expected to have another two billion, with a B, two billion people in our metro areas globally by 2050. And then uh, then when we think about uh, network densification, specifically related to bandwidth and power, uh, we're going to need more bandwidth and more power in more places. And there's, um, it's expected that we're going to see a 94% growth in the number of connected devices in the next seven years. So that's almost doubling the size of uh, of the networks uh, of our networks globally, um, and not all the devices are will require human interaction. Some of them are just machine to machine devices, but they're still all going to need connectivity and power. And that power and that and that data it needs to be uh, highly accessible for multiple systems. 
Um, especially as we look at some of these workforce automation tools that are coming online, uh, things like AR and VR glasses, haptics, and then other human-machine interfaces. Um, kind of a way to think about densification is the more bandwidth that a device requires, the more power that it's going to require too. Um, and so anything that you add to the network has both of those elements typically, right? It has a power requirement and it has uh, a bandwidth requirement. Um, and that power piece is increasingly uh, becoming more and more important, more and more critical um, as we're planning for our future networks. So, um, so we're space constrained, right? In our large metropolitan areas, we're seeing densification there um, in our buildings. And then we have telecommunication space uh, that is becoming increasingly crowded. So for, for every device that's in the field or that's connected, there is some space recognition for that device in a telecommunications room, right? Uh, so uh, densification, um, its power uh, and its bandwidth, both, both of those issues, uh, um, it is a very real macro level problem uh, that drills all the way down. Okay, okay, interesting. It's densification. You also mentioned labor and deployment speeds as a, uh, as a macro trend that we're facing. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I mean, as a macro trend, labor shortages are very real across pretty much every industry, right? I mean, so this is, yeah. we're already seeing this. When you, when you drill down from that macro trend, you look into our specific market, electrical and datacom installers, uh, their demand uh, is growing at double the rate of overall labor demand. So we're in an especially acute situation uh, with skilled installers for our trades. Um, there is a significant gap in backfill for the skilled trades. Uh, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done over the next decade. Right? So there's a lot of investment going into networking and into uh, broadband infrastructure. We simply don't have enough people to get the work done, uh, which you know, really means that we have to look at how we are designing and deploying our networks with labor and deployment speed as a primary consideration. And, and I'll tell you, not that we haven't always tried to come up with labor-saving solutions. I, I think we always have it, the calm scope, especially, but the industry in general. Sure. Um, but uh, it, it, as far as its positioning and how important it will be, uh, that will be prioritized and will have to be prioritized so that we can um, so that we can address both uh, the demand and the shortage of skilled uh, labor and. I think around this piece about labor and deployment speed, we have to talk about the day two element of our networks. Uh, and, you know, we mentioned that 94, there's going to be a 94% increase in devices added to the network. So that means that there's going to be a high Mac activity for our customers, high moves, ads, and changes. Uh, and then that speed of business and business technology uh, to your point, it just keeps getting faster and our customers need to be able to deploy a new technology immediately so that their business can assume the benefits of that technology and so they can keep up with their competitors and with customer demand. But we have to be thoughtful uh, about how we can reduce the time and cost to add new services to the network. So it's not just the original deployment we have to look at. We also have to look at how do we reduce the skill level required, how to reduce the speed and the cost to adding 
new services to the network. So we've we talked about density, we've talked about labor shortages and deployment speeds. And then of course this this third macro trend, sustainability. And you've touched on this in a previous podcast, but dig into this a little bit as well because this is an important macro trend that that you've been tracking for a long time, right? Yeah, no, it it is Mike, and I think um, for me, it's one that I'm, I'm passionate about, and I feel like um, the ICT industry, that we can actually help. We can do some good here in this space. First, because, look, um, networks already help and support sustainability efforts, right? Because it uh, allows for the automation of processes and increased operational efficiency, which is going to reduce, um, you know, reduce our carbon footprint. So just being in the industry, we're helpers, right? But um, I think specifically within uh, within ICT um, that there's things that that we can do, um, especially when we examine the way that we uh, architect our networks and the technologies that we use in that network. Uh, there's a lot to be said about um, really designing for the environment, right? And so taking... Uh, solutions or, or looking at um, our designs and saying, hey, um, thinking about where we put what, that's that's kind of what I call it, where, where we put what in the network um, mm. and optimizing it so that we can reduce the materials that are required to go in the network um, so we can reuse materials, things like using modular pre-terminated solutions. Um, increase the utility, use the network to support more devices, stop setting up these siloed networks, right? So design for the environment, thinking that way, right? Increasing the utility of the network. And then, of course, extending the longevity, right? Reducing rip and replace. How long can I use uh, the infrastructure? How many technology refreshes uh, can I assume from from a design? And I think that is uh, a a really important piece that maybe historically, you know, we really haven't had to design networks with that in mind. We really didn't have to think about that because we were already contributing, making the buildings more efficient with our technology. But now we got to dig deeper and we got to figure out how do we reduce the embodied and operational carbon of the network itself. And um, I think we can do that by looking at the architecture and the technology, how we design and deploy our networks. Um, and, you know, there's, there's an element of transparency documentation, uh, what, um, and when we talk about transparency documentation, it's things like environmental product declarations, health product declarations, material ingredient reporting. Um, these are all things that, um, help the industry along because once we know and understand the carbon footprint of a product, then we can make better decisions about what products go into our building. So, um, I think there's that looking at the architecture and the technology, looking at um, transparency documentation so we really can understand what the impact is of these products that we're putting into our buildings. Um, and then, you know, sustainability, we, it really includes some other metrics too. There's a social aspect to sustainability. There's a governance aspect to uh, susta- sustainability. So I think there are Um, social considerations that we're going to have to think about uh, as we're as a manufacturer but also as a designer or as an installer or as a large network operator um, a large um, uh, maybe a large end customer that has a 
a networking organization. And that is, you know, looking uh, at everything from um, socially responsible sourcing for materials, for labor, your workforce, uh, and then developing solutions that, um, uh, that, that offer more opportunity to more people in more places. I've got a really good grasp of, of all three of these macro trends, densification, labor shortages and deployment speeds, and sustainability. You've worked with Comscope's engineering team to, to come up with this Systemax Constellation solution to address the problems that these trends are, are creating. Tell me a little bit about the Systemax Constellation solution. Give, give me a summary about what it is and how is it addressing each of these macro trends? Yeah, um, and we, we have a white paper um, on our website and would definitely say anybody who's listening, take a look at the white paper because mm. it lays out the case okay. so you can kind of get all the elements. But Constellation is a building edge infrastructure. It is a um, um, fiber and power um, out to the ed- very edge of our networks uh, in a distributed star topology uh, and it significantly reduces um, the space required, uh, the telecommunication room space required pathways and conveyances um, uh, reduces that and and very you know for me what's really exciting is that constellation reduces the copper and the plastics in the network so copper you know about 55 percent reduction in copper in uh, for your infrastructure wow. and plastics about 65 percent and so you know you look at that and you say you know on a typical size job, you know, it's over 4,000 pounds of copper saved on a, on a typical enterprise cabling project. And, and that's over 4,000 pounds of copper that doesn't have to come out of the ground yet. And, and if you look out at um, copper futures and really what's happening with power demands increasing, we need that copper. <laughs> we, we need it. Yeah. And then when you think of the plastic uh, on a typical install, um, that 65% reduction and, and on this, you know, uh, average size enterprise install is over 8,000 pounds of plastic. And, and I think, man, that's never going to end up in an ocean. That's 8,000 pounds of plastic that never ends up in an ocean. And that to me is very, very exciting. And if we keep, we can do that over and over again, repeat that uh, all around the world. Uh, we can, uh, we can do some good. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I'm, I'm so let me get this straight on a, on a typical land infrastructure install using constellation as opposed to more traditional just twisted pair in big cable bundles you're saving on average typically 55% less copper in the infrastructure install and 65% less plastic is that right yeah it is that so that's on a 2500 wow. cable project where we would use 6a where we would typically install 6a okay. With an average cable length of like 185 feet, which mm. is an industry industry standard, and so yeah, it is really significant. And really, what we're doing is we're with Constellation, we're using a very dense media. We're using fiber, has a lot of bandwidth, right, and not a lot of materials, right, to to achieve that bandwidth. And we're using fault managed power, so we're able to use a very dense power technology and dense bandwidth technology. Uh, we take that out to the edge of the network and we put the access layer of the network, those your POE access layer switches, out closer to where your points of service are, where those devices are located. So think of it as a point-to-multipoint sort of architecture. Yep. Um, but what really all we're doing is extending services from the TR 
out into a service area or a zone. And that significantly reduces the materials that are required in the network. It also helps on those day two moves, ads, and changes, Mike, because now you have uh, your access uh, of your network that is close to where you want to add services. Yeah, yeah. Right? you're not so going now, all the way back to the closet. Yeah, you're not having to go all the yeah. way back to the, to the closet. So you, you're, that day two, you can happen quicker. And it's fiber out to the edge. So you have the bandwidth there to support these emerging technologies that are going to require very low latency. And uh, so I see it, it's, it's um, constellation is, you know, probably not for, for everyone, um, but certainly an exciting uh, and innovative way to look at the network and plan your network out into the future because it, it hits on all of these things. It hits on densification, right? Because you've got that bandwidth of the fiber and you've got all this power to the edge of your network. Uh, it hits on deployment speed because now it's a modular solution and you're not running, uh, you know, thousands of long cable runs, right? Uh, and so it's going to impact deployment speed your day two, right? Adding on to the network is going to happen faster. And then it hits on the sustainability piece too, right? Because we're reducing the copper. We're reducing uh, the plastics. We're reducing... Uh, the amount of labor you need, which there is a carbon tied to labor, right, in truck rolls and the amount of manpower that you require sure. on a job as yep, well. Yep. So, um, yeah, constantly very, very exciting solution. We we have, um, I talked about the white paper, but we have a whole page on Constellation. And so if you go to, uh, you know, the Comscope website, just type in Constellation in the search bar and the, the page for Constellation will come up and there's all kinds of resources. There are white, page, white papers, brochures, uh, videos, uh, all of the products, reference architectures, uh, and so plenty of, of content, and of course, you can. And you mentioned, you said it may not be for everyone. Why wouldn't it be for everyone? I mean, are there particular applications that it just isn't a good fit for? Or is it really, does it come down to a preference where somebody just says, nope, I, I, I do infrastructure this way, I've always done it this way, and I'm always going to do it this way? Is it just the hardliners that, that refuse to change? Or are there applications that Constellation just can't uh, accommodate? Yeah, I think, look, if you already have telecommunication rooms allocated in your building and you don't have um, exceptionally long cable runs and you have short cable runs, it, you know, probably not as much value there. Uh, I think, though, more than anything, uh, because there isn't, there are verticals where it seems like this is a no-brainer. It should go in every one of these. When you look at manufacturing, distribution, and logistics, those facilities, it's like no-brainer. It should go in there. You look at airports, it makes absolute sense for that. Anything with a, uh, a vast horizontal space. Um, but I, I wouldn't limit it to that because there are benefits that could impact even, you know, uh, you know high-rise office space, right? Um, it's more about the... Um, it's, it's more about the makeup of the customer and uh, the, the working relationship that the infrastructure and facilities team has with the networking team um, because you're going to need to work together. The idea here is to be able to use this solution to support operational technology and support IT. You can segment ne networks if you want or you can converge everything. Um, but you want to have a, um, a, a good working relationship with those uh, stakeholders within within your organization, um, you need to be able to plan early, right? Because it's going to take some time. You're changing uh, the architecture. 
you know, customers that are looking for planning and being prepared for uh, more than just three years out, right? So some more long-range planning, a good fit there. Customers that have Wi-Fi first initiatives. Um, we know that most wired devices are moving to the ceiling. More and more what's going on below the ceiling is wirelessly connected. And um, people, they prefer their mobility. And so, uh, you know, customers that have Wi-Fi first initiatives or that really are moving away from a lot of cabling at workstations uh, are a good are a good fit. Got it. Got it. And you also mentioned uh, fault managed power a couple of times. Fault managed power that that's a that's a low voltage power, or that's uh, something that a low voltage technician can install legally. So tell me about fault managed power. Yeah. So fault managed power is the technology uh, in the United States. Uh, we recently codified in the NEC and NFPA for 2023 uh, what's called Class 4 power. Uh, so that's in, in the U.S. it'll be uh, termed Class 4 power. Uh, and, you know, really what it is is a safer powering technology um, that uh, they call it safe to touch or it's safer to interact with very similar to our Class two circuits are low voltage circuits today. So um, it does not require the um, safety encumbrances uh, that we have for traditional electrical wiring. So it doesn't have to be in conduit. Um, It doesn't have the same um, electromechanical requirements on ground fault interception, things like that. And so it has uh, the benefit of having a reduced cost because you don't have all these additional safety encumbrances. Um, it makes it to where, uh, really, you know, it can be in, you know, you don't have to be an electrician uh, to install this technology. Now, it's been adopted in the code. Every jurisdiction is going to get to decide who within their jurisdiction gets to, to install it. Um, but it does look like uh, it, will, uh, it will have a broad base of installers that can install uh, this class four or fault managed power. Class four will, is a U.S. term. Right. Uh, when you internationally, it will likely or, or a global name for for the power, it would be fault managed power. OK. OK. Got it. So class four fault managed. That makes sense. So Constellation, th- this is fantastic. This is Systemax Constellation. This is the latest Systemax innovation. And this checks the boxes on these three macro trends that we see facing network infrastructure right now, right? Densification, the need for faster deployment speeds because of labor shortages, and then, of course, the sustainability issues that we're all faced with. Rana, I always enjoy having you on the podcast. I I enjoy these conversations quite a bit. I appreciate you making the time. This has been great. Yeah, you know what? I I enjoy it. I I think um, it's fun to interact and have these conversations and you know, just the, the go back and forth and having the discussion and, and hopefully the audience, uh, you know, see some benefit in it too. No, absolutely. No, this has been great. And thank all of you for joining us. For more information about Constellation, go to comscope.com and search for Constellation. Send comments and questions about this podcast to Comscope Crosstalk at comscope.com. My name is Mike Reardon, and this has been Comscope Crosstalk.